Poetry on Air with Sheboygan Poet Laureate Lisa Vihos. I'm Lisa Vihos, and you're listening to Poetry on Air, a program of Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, in which we explore poetry and the meaning, inspiration, and healing it brings to our lives. I've been on hiatus for several months, and the last recording was back in June. So I guess I needed to take a little break from the rigors of podcasting. (laughs) But I'm here today because I want to honor the life of a dear friend of mine, someone who taught me a lot about poetry and about organizing for social change with poetry. And that would be the poet Michael Rothenberg. Michael died. Uh, at the age of 71 on November 21st, 2022, after a long and painful bout with cancer. And what I want to do today is read some of Michael's poetry and some of my own that I wrote with him in mind, and along the way, see if I can share a little about some of the things he taught me. Um, First, I want to tell you just a little bit about him. Michael was born in Miami Beach, Florida in 1951. And at age 15, he decided he was going to be a poet. And he truly made it so. I mean, he published over 20 books of poetry during his lifetime. Um, He created and and was the editor-in-chief of uh, an online poetry journal called Big Bridge. He also edited um, for Wesleyan University Press a pretty important book of poetry by one of his mentors, the poet Philip Whalen. And um, Michael, oh, he also started a nonprofit called Poets in Need. And that was um, an organization to help poets when they were in some kind of crisis. So he really did a lot of different kinds of things. And one of the, the, the way I met Michael is that in 2011, along with his partner, Terry Carrion, he founded the worldwide movement called 100,000 Poets for Change, which if you know me or anything about me, you've heard me talk about that organization many times. um, And as well, my efforts every year to organize an open mic poetry reading here at Mead Library. And that's always been the last weekend of September. And that, that event was an answer to Michael's call to the world, which I came upon one evening in February of 2011, I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw this man, a picture, a little, you know, one of the little profile pictures of a man standing in front of a sunflower. And his message was, would you be willing to organize a poetry reading in your community to support a more peaceful, just and sustainable world? And I'm like, well, yes, of course I would do that. So (laughs) I signed on and I mean, over the years, we became friends. Michael was just an amazing poet, activist, artist. He was a visual artist, friend, mentor, and uh, he'll be missed by many, many people all over the world because he brought us all together. So what I want to do is start with a few poems by Michael. I, I want He's got over, like I said, I think I said, over 20 books that he's published But I picked one of my favorites that's called Indefinite Detention, a dog story. And it was published in 2013 by Ecstasis Editions. And I'll start with the first poem in the book. 
I picked one from the middle and one from from near the end. And I guess I would just say listen for what a master he was of sort of the the list poem, you know, he just he just he has a flood of words that come at you and and yet you can get lost but you also keep getting pulled along by the story that he tells and uh so we'll start. The the book, as I said, Indefinite Detention, A Dog Story. It's dedicated to his partner, Terry, and it begins with an epigram from the poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti that says, The dog trots freely in the street and sees reality, and the things he sees are bigger than himself. And the first poem I will read is called... Maybe I want to go to Canada. Bye-bye, USA. Hello, Finland. Or maybe I want to go to Canada. I'm fresh out of patriotism, tired of disappointment and hurt. I need a bigger worldview. Oh, samsara, let it go, let it go. Ziggy, my dog, sleeps in the sun. Everything will work out here at home. But no, there are 17 countries more democratic than this one. I want to go there. That would be the brave and honorable thing to do. Emigrate. A vote for democracy while I still have a chance to vote. It would be just like going to America, but backwards when America was determined to be America. Hello, Sweden. I'll have a hot dog with mashed potatoes, mustard, and ketchup at the train station. I'll have a beautiful blonde girl... It doesn't matter where, as long as I'm free. Hello, better democracies. Norway, Iceland, Netherlands, Denmark, New Zealand, Switzerland, Luxembourg, Australia, Canada, Iceland, Germany, Austria, Spain, Malta, Japan. Tapas, herring, moose, and kangaroos. Fondue, tempura, great forests, and northern lights. Hello, Leonard Cohen. I'm on my way. Health care, free speech, civil rights. And what about gross national happiness? Physical, mental, and spiritual health. The USA ranks 150 behind Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, and Vietnam, just to get started. For Christ's sake, they're happier in Saudi Arabia. And which country is the greenest? The USA ranks 39th behind Switzerland, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Costa Rica, orchids, bromeliads, parrots. Mambas, Sambas, Chachas, Austria, New Zealand, Latvia, Colombia, France, Iceland, Bjork, Haddock, Halibut, and Shrimp, Canada, Germany, Lederhosen, United Kingdom, Slovenia, Klobasa, Strudels, Goulash, and Pancakes Topped with Chocolate, Lithuania, Slovakia, Portugal, Estonia, Croatia, Japan, Ecuador, Hungary, Italy, Risotto, Fava, White Truffles, and Fresh Parmesan, Maesta, by Duccio di Buoninsegna at Museo dell'Opera del Duomo, Siena, Denmark, Malaysia, Albania, Russia, Chile, Roberto Mata, Empanada de Pino filled with diced meat, onions, olive, raisins, and a piece of hard-boiled egg, Cabernet Sauvignon and Pablo Neruda, Spain, Lorca, Don Quixote, Luxembourg, Panama, Dominican Republic, Ireland, Brazil, Goal! Uruguay, Georgia, and Argentina. Water purity, low carbon, and sulfur emissions. Long live the glaciers, waterfalls, coral reefs, flowering meadows, mangroves, and fjords. Before it's too late, what am I waiting for? I've got to do what's right, for me, 
It's the American thing to do. I've got to get out of here. All aboard for a happy green democracy. That's what I imagine. That's what I choose. That was a mouth mouthful. <laughs> oh, Michael. So I will now move into the middle section of the book in which uh, this poem was written for a friend, uh, one of the other 100,000 Poets for Change organizers, a man from, a young man from Macedonia. And uh, it's called Poem for Mitko. That's the person, Mitko. Today, when Ziggy, the dog, and I go down to the ocean, we'll send you a poem. Some wild ribbon, invisible soul, birds in flight, across chrome waters, we will wait for your silent reply. Look for a word and world of peace, riding back over bright breakers from your landlocked European country. A sea monkey I was born and raised in Florida, learned my liquid life, now I am pulled by the moon, birth and inevitability, yes, the ocean gives us power, tells us the rolling universe does not belong to us, no matter how hard we try to destroy it. Godless power, chrome waves, sun's flames, soak my brow. Ziggy stops to dig in the sand, barks at the blue-black raven, calling from the stranded shoulder on Shell Beach. I'd go crazy living on an island surrounded by a fevered sea of woe and sapphire horizons. I plan for a busier tomorrow, but I can't get the ocean out of my head. You could crave another island. But whatever's there, I can't describe. Lupine, thistle, and wild oats on the bluff. Something I think I see, but can't. Imagination, inscribed in the mercurial sky. I wait for an explosion. This is not a good year for tyrants. Copper skies above Tahrir Square. Here comes that crashing thought, that currency I sent away over the expanse. To be read by you, Mitgo, tear gas clouds in Tahrir Square, coming back tied and frayed around a rugged headland. We have had enough of this enslavement. Men and women, boys and girls with stones, give them what they want. Don't wait for permission from the headquarters, authorization from the opera. Live long and without endorsements. The dog still barks, but can't say exactly what he believes. Is that a dragon or a civilization burning on the beach? Coming in or going out, I can't tell which way the poetry is running. A wave followed by another wave, followed by another, a sleeper wave. Tide of the underworld rushing over all, blowing silver over shipwrecked shores and tortured skies. I asked the California badger on the road back home, do you find this dream amusing? There was something vicious in his response. Is the human condition just entertainment? I asked the badger about political gamesmanship and coppery metaphors slung across the heavens like Handel's Messiah? No reply. This is not a domestic animal. Oh, brother from another great continent, beyond shimmering cataclysmic fever, 
foam and light rushing up over my feet, mammoth rubbings on mammoth stones. Oh, Macedonian brother, I went down to the ocean today, and the sky and sun and water were blinding and gorgeous chrome, so I kind of got caught in light and isolation and could think of nothing else. And I have one more from this book for you. This one is called Morning Noise. It's spring again. Wisteria smothers the porch. Pink camellia blossoms rustle with the roses. The poet wears blue, recites a prayer in four voices. Dog whines at the door. Caught in a chemical stink, I want to get up and seize the day, but can't. There was a suicide, then a birth. A coffee shop on the boulevard where we tried to make up in ten minutes what we lost in forty years. Get ready for the hurricane. The shutters go up. Vendetta shreds old fronds, uproots the banyan tree. Our inheritance, our legacy. History on sale at the antique market. Flower girls in Piazza San Marco. Miniature portraits, angels on stilts. I'm learning to play guitar so I can follow the melody of another mind, so I can be blind to the deafening attitudes. Sleeping pills help, and those sleepy echoes of light in the eaves. Wheels wobble through a morning deceit. The squirrel wants more peanuts. That dog wants his treat. More work, more Sabbath concessions. Good morning, Saturday. What else have you got in store? So those were, those were three poems from Indefinite Detention, a dog story by Michael Rothenberg. And I, you know, I first met Michael and Terry. So, I mean, I met Michael on Facebook. And then we did our first year of 100,000 Poets for Change. And I was going to California. He and Terry lived in Northern California. And I was going there for other reasons. And I and I asked him, I said, could I come and, and meet you guys up in the Redwoods? They lived in the middle of the Redwoods. And so they were like, yes, come come up. So I got to, to see them and meet them. And that's kind of where the friendship really solidified. And now, Michael, I think I mentioned at the beginning, he was born in Miami Beach, Florida. So at one point, um, I think in the maybe around 2013 or so, they left the Redwoods he and Terry, and they moved back to Florida uh, to be near Terry's mom, and they settled in Tallahassee. And um, this next poem I want to read is a poem about Tallahassee, actually. Um, it appeared in, the, in an issue of Stoneboat, which is a literary journal that I was the poetry editor for. <laughs> so I was happy to receive a poem from Michael at one point and put it in the journal. And this was this issue's from 2018, issue 8.2, and the poem is called January in Tallahassee. Black snake warming in the sun, solitary osprey in the cypress, plover busy in the frozen grass, and that blue jay, it has been a while since I have seen her making the rounds. When I think about her, I don't feel so alone. Hello, Blue Jay. 
then she's gone. Some humans are angry, some sad, some grateful, others in a big hurry. Life is good, and then a cancer steals them away. We know this every day. Genius is an imaginary condition, as is immortality. White pelicans blow across the blue finish of the lake, preening what makes us and breaks us brings us home again. I look for the cardinals now, that fierce and particular red, but they're not here yet. It's early. Don't worry, old bird lovers, the cardinals will arrive. There's so much to do. Ask the squirrels, they know it, too. So where are those squirrels? I suppose it's too early and cold for them, and why must they come out for my entertainment alone when all they can do right now is shiver? No matter what you think of them, the squirrels are not fools. They will be here playing tag in the thick gray branches of the naked fig tree when they are good and ready. And get ready, sunshine. Before you know it, spring will come, and everything dead to the ground will bounce up singing. The whole humping menagerie will put on a swollen display. Don't rush it. Do not worry. Babies will be born. Nature will squeal and moan and sigh. I've seen it before, overwhelming us with screaming evidence, saving us from our somber selves, calling in the eagles, a trillion minnows feeding and fed upon, the great whale of the world breaching above the clouds to rescue us from our solitary fears. And get ready, moon, you too. We will be looking for you in all your phases. Before you know it, we will be standing upon the lake shore in shorts and sandals, drinking beer and sucking cherry lollipops in our sleeveless wonder, watching you shimmer above a mellow orange runway in the lotus blossoms and lily pads, ready to take off, rising over the loblolly pines until you disappear in another desperate sunrise. That was January in Tallahassee. And I have to say, Michael just always impressed me with his amazing kind of, like I said in the beginning, just a flood of words and, uh, and you know, words that, that definitely paint a picture, lots of color, lots of, lots of um, flora and fauna, Often, Michael, in his earlier years, while he was, you know, building his poetry career, he started, he was in California, and he started a um, a landscape company, and, and he was um, a nursery, a plant nursery, and he grew bromeliads and other, other flowers, and so he always had that part of himself that was a nurturer, a nurturer of nature, and I think it comes through in a lot of his poetry. I find there's a lot of poetry about nature and then a lot of poetry about the state of the world and, and some of the, you know, terrible, difficult things that happen. But he, he just, you know, he was, he was super prolific. I mean, the man was like writing poetry every day. He was painting later in his life, like in these last several years, he was doing a lot of painting and, you know, if you were friends with him on Instagram or Facebook, every day you would see a new a new work of art. And like, Michael, what are you doing? How, when do you have time? <laughs> he was just kind of a pretty much amazing human. So what I want to um, do next is 
share a couple poems that I wrote. I got to go, I, I mentioned I visited Michael and Terry in the Redwoods. And then a few years later, when they had relocated to Florida, I uh, Michael invited, was inviting different poet friends to come and serve as kind of a poet in residence for a few few days in Tallahassee. And you got to, I got to do a reading at a little local um, coffee shop. And I just had fun being with them. They um, Their house was on uh, in a place in Tallahassee called Lake Jackson, and it's a what's called a prairie lake. And what I what I learned about this type of lake is that it has a life cycle where it's it's out there, it's a lake, but then there are these sinkholes, and at some point, all the water just like sinks down, and there's no lake anymore. And so, in the last year or so, Lake Jackson was kind of disappearing. So where where they had had this kind of lakeside property, they now had a marsh, <laughs> and it was returning back to prairie. And um, so when I visited there, one of the things Michael was trying to teach me to do or encourage me to do was to experiment with making my poems not just um, stanzas, you know, very, very organized, but like learn how to sort of make the words float over the page so that there's a visual, a visual aspect to the poem, which you don't experience that when you're just hearing it. But if you could see this poem I'm about to read, it's it's kind of all spread over the page. And so it's um, it's called Poem for the Passing. And I should say, I wrote this in 2017. Um, and I started it with an epigram that was something that Michael had written. And so here's the epigram for Poem for the Passing. It, he said, when the heartbeat and pulse of the inevitable Lake Jackson are no longer a marshy bother, I too, with any luck, will disappear. Michael Rothenberg from On Lake Jackson. You are getting it all wrong, my friend, because no matter where we go, we never completely disappear. I've been learning this the hard way as one death after another weighs down upon me this past year. Old school friend, vibrant work friend, dearest poet friend, three mentors in one year, and my father who left almost four years ago now, which seems like only yesterday. I'm telling you, no one who writes, paints, teaches, cooks, breathes, or dreams ever disappears completely because of marks left, seeds planted, roads traveled, and even when the ocean washes the last footprints from the face of the beach, the sand remembers who stood there and who carried the smallest grains of it away to other shores. So that, I wrote that poem for him back in 2017. And, and another thing he taught was to, he had, he had a mentor, um, Joanne Kiger, I believe is her name, poet. And he, she always would say to him, date it, so that when you wrote a poem, you needed to put the date on it. And I, I had never done that before, but I, I started to do it a little bit more recently. And then this poem that I'm going um, to end with today, um, I, I started this poem in the summer of 2022. So this past June or July, I don't know, I talked to Michael on the phone one day and he was, had, I think he was done with his chemo, but he was in that phase where you're kind of like waiting to see what's going to happen next. And he was really kind of unhappy and uncomfortable and not doing that well. And um, he told me a story 
about a blanket, and it's it's in this poem. So it's called The Blanket of Immortality. Oh, I'll say one last thing. I didn't finish the poem until after he had died. I mean, I I thought I had finished it, but I wasn't happy with it. And so when his death came, I was able to wrap it up better. Ah, Michael. Okay, it's called The Blanket of Immortality for Michael Rothenberg. We go back a long way, you and I. On the night we met, you were words on a screen and a picture of a man in front of a sunflower who said he was looking for poets, 100,000 of them, to organize poetry readings, to share words, words of change. I answered the call, and we became friends, and words became threads that held us. For 12 years, you brought a world of poets together every September, floating up their words to make many skies one sky, many dreams one dream. You had a dream to make the world a better place. I had a dream to help. There was joy along the way and never-ending sorrow, grievances, uncertainties, and a long list of injustices that had us screaming for change. Not for ego, never ego, but to make a difference, to right the wrongs of this world. Now you are gone, but not gone. Not here, but here. Cancer took your body, but not your words. Before you left, you told me a story of an alpaca blanket that you bought in Colombia when you were 20 and wide-eyed, brimming over with the music of the world. That blanket carried you, kept you, sang you to sleep, and made you feel as if you could live forever. So much easier to believe that at 20 than 70. But the story is that the blanket was destroyed by a chance toss into the washing machine, then the dryer. All this done by a well-meaning caregiver who offered to buy you a new blanket, not understanding that it was not the blanket that mattered, but the dream that it embodied. And now you have taken a new shroud, one we will all wear each in our own time. Wherever you are now, I know you will meet the soul of the alpaca and thank him for the wool he gave. He knows you loved him for the blanket he became, just as the world will always know you and love you for the words you have become. December 1st, 2022. Thank you for everything, Michael. And may you rest and rise in poetry, my dear friend. You have been listening to Poetry On Air, hosted by Sheboygan's Poet Laureate, Lisa Vihos. Questions or comments can be directed to Lisa at poetlaureatesheboygan at gmail.com. Poetry on Air is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.